I saw a YouTuber post a video this week about how he got started. And I thought about it, I thought maybe that'd be a good idea for a solo video. Maybe people care about how I started doing this influencer thing. It's pretty wild, it doesn't even make sense. Then I thought about it, I said, well, maybe it's not such a good idea because I think people know my story anyway. Turns out people don't. I put a poll on social, do you want to see me do a video about how I got started? And it was overwhelmingly yes. 100% of the people said they wanted to see. Usually there's a couple haters out there. It was surprising that everyone wanted to see this. So. Here's the video, I hope you find it interesting. Uh, it's pretty wild, doesn't really make sense, but how I got started in this, it started, my journey started about four years ago. So I've got a normal job, I still have a normal job now, I'm in sales for this multi-billion dollar company, it's a Fortune 200 company, I don't wanna say the name, but I work just a normal job. I've got two kids, I got a wife, I got a house, pretty normal life. Didn't know anything about influencer marketing, didn't know about YouTubers, Instagrammers, anything. But I read this book called Reinventing You. I was at a point in my career that I wanted to get out of sales and get more into marketing, but I didn't have any experience in marketing other than a couple classes in college a million years ago. And part of her thing, her name is Dory Clark, it's a great book, you should check it out. But part of her thing is, if you wanna break into a new career, you need evidence in why you're an expert there. Like, why should people hire you if you don't have any experience there? So one of the things she said you could do, and it's free, and it's good advice for you too, if you're trying to break into a new business or new career, is you can write about it, like write as an expert that, hey, I, I know about marketing, this is all the stuff, I, these are the trends, and. So I started a blog and I started writing. I listened to her and pretty soon a couple articles went viral. Jessica um, Jessica Alba actually shared one on LinkedIn that got like 100,000 views, which is pretty wild for like a little blog. And Dory Clark, I got in contact with her and she liked what I was doing and she actually put me in touch with her editor at Forbes, which was wild because I have no writing experience at all. Here I am just a normal guy writing some blog posts about marketing, you know, pretty random stuff. And I had an interview with her editor and he liked my stuff. I sent him some samples. He said, hey, do you want to come write for us? I said, fuck, for Forbes? Absolutely. It was, it was my first writing gig ever. It's really been my only writing gig and everything stems from Forbes. The reason I get to sit down with all these big influencers, I know all these people is because of Forbes. Me, just if I was a normal guy with a YouTube channel of 35,000 subscribers, there's no way these big influencers would sit down with me. But if I can write an article on Forbes about them and I've interviewed like people in that world, they'll definitely sit down with me. So. It all comes from Forbes and anyway, I was writing about marketing stuff and influencer marketing was a big trend at the time. This is about four years ago. And again, I didn't know anything about influencers, influencer marketing, anything. So I did some research and I don't even know how I found them, but I found Shayna Lisa and Marissa Rachel. Shout out Marissa and Shayna, you guys are the greatest, but they're two LA influencers. They're kind of focused in beauty, kind of lifestyle kind of thing. Uh, they got a younger female demo. Anyway, I found them and I said, hey, let's grab coffee. I want to learn more about this. And it was so cute. I was supposed to meet them at noon. I got there at like 11.55. I'm always prompt. I'm always early. And they were already there sitting. And it was, they had like a little, uh, like little piece of paper, like a placard saying, Marissa Rachel, YouTuber, 1 million subscribers. And I was like, wow, look how professional these girls are. I think, that, I think she was like 17 at the time. I was like, wow, these girls are really on point. And we sat down, we had coffee, and we talked for an hour, and she was telling me about brand deals and influencer marketing and demos and you know how she creates thumbnails and how important they are and all that kind of stuff. And I was fascinated. I didn't know anything about this world. So I wrote an article about it and you know didn't really think twice. It was just another article that I wrote. And I liked sitting down with them so much, I decided, hey, I wanna interview people. Like, I really like talking with people. I don't actually like doing what I'm doing right now. I don't like just talking to a random person or random camera. I like sitting down with a person. 
So I figured why not go to the top? And this is the first time I really used Forbes to, to get me in a room with somebody I could never get in a room with. I was interested in Kate Hudson because she's a female entrepreneur that didn't get a lot of press for Fabletics. Jessica Alba gets all this press. Gwyneth Paltrow gets press for Goop and what she's doing. But Kate Hudson had a $100 million company and no one was really talking about it. So anyway, I reached out to her PR person and this takes months and months and months when you want to like sit down with a big celebrity. And finally, it was actually the Demi Lovato launch of her line with Fabletics. They said, okay, I can get you five minutes with Kate. So I get five minutes with Kate. I ask her a bunch of questions and I don't even think she gave me five minutes. She was super nice, but she was busy. She was at an event. So she gave me a couple minutes. I talked to the CEO of Fabletics for a while, wrote the article and it did terrible. It got like 3,000 views, which is decent for a Forbes article, but I thought Kate Hudson, this is something I worked on so long. I, I really wrote a nice article. I thought it would get, you know, I don't know, 100,000 or something like that. No, we got like 3,000 and that was it. I was kind of bummed out, but I didn't, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, her PR guy, I guess, I don't know if he felt sorry for me or if he liked me. He said, hey, you got to check out my other client, uh, Jake Paul. And I said, who's Jake Paul? And he laughed. And he goes, you never heard of him? I go, no. I go, what is he? He's like, oh, he's a YouTuber. Just look him up. You'll see. So I looked him up. I go, who the fuck is this kid with like 20 million followers? Like, this is wild. How have I ever not heard of him? So we set up an interview and I met him at the old Team 10 house, which is pretty wild. And that's a whole nother video in itself. But we sat down and say what you want about Jake. This is shit three years ago. So he may have changed. But at the time, my only impression with him was he was super smart. We talked business and marketing and social media and the strategy behind it and his career. And we sat in his garage and talked for like two hours. And I, it was a really good interview. So anyway, I write the article. And the difference I found quickly between an influencer and a traditional celebrity like Kate Hudson is at the end of the interview, Jake gave me a cell phone number. Well, surprisingly, at the end of my interview with Kate, she did not give me her cell phone number, which of course she wouldn't. But Jake did. He said, hey, text me, let me know when you're going to post and I'll share it. So I posted the article, I texted him. I'll never forget, I was watching a Lakers game with my wife. She's a big fan. I'm not a Lakers fan. I hate LeBron. But we're watching the game and uh, I text him the article and yeah, I'm just watching the game. And then my phone started going off on Twitter. I started getting all these notifications and I looked and Jake shared it. And the article got 100,000 views in... I don't know, 10 minutes and it blew me away. I was like, holy shit, these influencers are where it's at. All he tweeted was, check out this Forbes article. Thanks, Tom. It's super lit, fire emoji and the link. And that was it. And it got me a ton of followers on Twitter and it got all these views. I was like, dude, traditional celebrities are not where it's at. Influencer are really what's happening now. I'm gonna stick with them. And I stuck with them. I liked doing the interview with Jake, but I'm like, what a waste of all these views. It should have been on video, you know? No one, I read an article, no one knows who Tom Ward is. No one knows what I look like, nothing. They just read an article about Jake. And that's true with most writers, right? You read an article online or something, you never say that, you know, Joe Smith wrote this article. You say, no, I read an article in the New York Times. I read this article on Daily Mail. You, the writer gets no branding, no personal branding. No one knows who he is. And I didn't want to be that because you're easily replaceable, right? You're just an anonymous figure who's writing an article. So I'm like, fuck, I want to get my bald ass on camera. I want to film one. 
So I reached out to Forbes and I set up an interview. I was doing female entrepreneurs a lot and I did one on Nikki and Brie Bella and we're gonna insert video here of Nikki and Brie. They're the greatest, they're twin sisters, they're WWE wrestlers and Hall of Fame wrestlers too and they're entrepreneurs. They have this Birdie Brie brand and they do all these women's like kind of lifestyle stuff. Anyway, they were really cool and I pitched it to Forbes and said, yeah, let's, let's film it, we're down. So they got a camera crew and it was going to be a three, it was a three camera shoot. So that meaning there was one camera on me and there was one each on the girls. So there's three cameras. Um, we did it at their office. There was all these overhead mics and stuff. And like a couple days before Nikki Bella emailed me and she said, Hey, I think it'd be good content for our reality show. Do you mind if we film? And I was so nervous about just doing the interview itself that being on a reality show too, was a, I didn't want to do it at all. I was too scared. And I was super nervous. And I talked to my wife about it. She's like, are you insane? She's like, this is a crazy opportunity. When are you gonna be on a reality show? It's good exposure for you. You should absolutely do it. So I listen. Thank you, shout out Zara, my wife. She's provided incredible guidance over the years, but she said, do it. So I did, and it was scary as fuck. So picture this, right? There's a camera on me, there's two cameras on them, but now you have reality TV cameras and they just do it kind of handheld on the fly. And I think there's two or three guys and they're circling and they're moving around and plus, so there's all these cameras going on, plus there's staff from their Birdie B offices there too. And it was a lot, and this is my first time ever on camera. And I was nervous as hell, but I, I guess I pulled it off. It was a really good interview and I took the video down just because I was kind of starting over with new branding and stuff. But um, I'll insert a clip here so you can kind of see what it looked like. You know, from the WWE, you know, from the reality shows, you know, from YouTube. It was really good. And what's wild is they actually put that on their reality show, Total Bellas, which was so cool that it's a Tom Ward Forbes and I'm, you know, interviewing. They had like a like 30 seconds of the interview on there. But I was like, wow, my first time ever interviewing somebody on camera and it ends up on TV. So send it to Forbes, I'm all pumped, I'm writing the article, and a couple weeks later, they email me, they say, hey, we just posted the video, and I click on the link and I look at it, and it's a two-minute interview. The interview itself was like 45 minutes long. It was a two-minute interview, and I wasn't in it. They do it documentary style, so the person asking the questions and talking is not on the video, it's just the subjects on there. And I was like, all that fucking work for what? No, it's just like the article, right? No one knows who I am. No one knows I was there. No one knows I set it up. No one was saw my side of the conversation because I look at interviews, if you've seen any of mine, like a conversation. I don't want it to be, the thing I hate most about interviews is when they're like this. Hello, so tell me, where'd you grow up? And they sit and they listen to the fucking answer and then there's a pause and then they go, oh, so tell me how you get started in your career. And then they fucking listen and no, I have a conversation with people like normal people do. I think that's why people like my interviews. I just talk to people like I normally would. Sometimes you interrupt them. Sometimes you go off on tangents. Uh, sometimes you cut each other off. So it's like a normal conversation and none of that was shown in the interview. So I was pissed off. I go, fuck that, never again. I'm never doing an interview like that again where I'm not on camera. And it's kind of, it sounds egotistical and it kind of is, but I'm not the kind of guy, if you meet me, who wants to be the center of attention. I don't like that at all. I don't like the spotlight on me. I would hate to have a reality show. But as far as building a brand and building your career as someone in media, 
you've got to put yourself out there because otherwise you're just hiding behind an article and no one knows who you are and that's bad. So if you're thinking about that, if you're a writer, um, if you're doing things like that, you absolutely have to get your name out there and video is, and social is a great way to do it. So you have to do it. So I forced myself to do it and I said, well, they're gonna take me out of the film. I'm just not gonna do it with Forbes anymore. Fuck it, I'm gonna do it myself. So I started a YouTube channel and this is about three years ago and this is how I started in YouTube. So Forbes gave me the, the footage for the Bella's interview and they said, you can use it and edit it yourself and put it up. So I did. That was my first interview on there. It, I think it got 5,000 views, which for my first interview with that no one else shared, you know, the Bella's didn't share it or anything. Or maybe they did, I don't fucking know. But 5,000 views for my first interview, like I was pretty stoked. That was really good numbers. And during the first year, I just, fuck it. I went big, you know, go big or go home. I went big. I just reached out to the biggest influencers. And by now, I've got a little bit of a Twitter following. I did the interview with Jake. I interviewed Kate Hudson. Now I'm on camera uh, interviewing the Bella Twins. I've got more of a reputation. I've got you know my name out there. So it makes sense that these influencers want to sit down with me. So I, I'm trying to think. In the first year, I did King Batch. I did Amanda Cerny, who was pretty big at the time, who's still big on Instagram. Um, I did Bella Thorne. I think that was like my fourth interview. How authentic are you now? Do you feel comfortable how you're portrayed? When I did Bella, and it was right after she talked about being molested, she just hinted at it. And it was, I wasn't experienced a lot in being an interviewer at the time. Now, after three years, I, I got the hang of it. But then it was tough because I really wanted to get her to talk about it because I know people wanted to see that and hear that from them. And I'm sure she wanted to get more out too because she just teased it a little bit on social and there was a ton of comments and questions I looked at. So I wanted to talk about it and I wanted to bring it in the conversation, but I also didn't want to be disrespectful. I wanted to be sincere. I didn't want to harm her or make her uncomfortable in any way. So it was really delicate and I, I think I handled it in a good way because Bella and I still have a relationship. She's the greatest. I interviewed her another time, which was awesome. And I brought it up and she talked about it. It was the first time she talked about it on camera and it, it was kind of a safe place. That's how I try to have my interviews is whatever we're talking about, it's a safe place. If there's cameras around and there's lighting and all this other stuff, people moving around, I tried to just focus on this and just bring them in to this, to the camera and me and kind of zone everything else out. And she talked about it and that was the first time any of my interviews have, had ever gotten pressed. I think it was in E, it was in Daily Mail, it was in People, it was on Us Weekly, all on their, web, well, on their websites, not in the magazine, but the fact that she talked about it and they shared clips from my interview. And that was the first time I was like, holy fuck, like maybe this is a thing. Before it was just cool, Jake Paul shared something, I got 100,000 views on my article, but wow, like Us Weekly and Daily Mail are reporting on something I talked about. Like, fuck, I'm just a normal dude. I've still got my job. And by the way, if anyone from my company is watching this and think, oh my God, what was he doing? I was doing all this stuff on Saturdays. I've worked every Saturday for about three years with occasional you know, days off. But usually when I take a day off on Saturday to do family stuff, I'm working on Sunday and I'm writing, I'm filming, I'm editing, I'm setting up interviews. So all this stuff is being done at night and on the weekends. And I've got a normal job. I'm a regular guy. And I'm like, wow, man. And listen, I'm no kid too. I'm not early in my career. To see one of my interviews picked up, I, it really inspired me. It really gave me faith. And the interview got great views. And I just kept going from there. My second year, I started to get brand deals. Uh, they, were, they were little brands at first, but then I got deals with like 
Um, well, Warby Parker came later, but I got to deal with Pet Canva. And shout out to Pet Canva for supporting my early videos. I'll insert Pet Canva here so you can see him and give him a free shout out, but they do like pet merchandise. So they'll put like your dog's picture on a sweatshirt or something like that. So I started getting a little brand deals. The interviews started getting better. I started to get more subscribers. Um, in that second year, I, I had two big interviews. I did David Dobrik. You hitting on me? I, a little bit. <laughs> and Emma Chamberlain, both which got over 500,000 views. And Emma, I think, is almost at a million now. Y'all better fucking watch this you, shit. But I know you guys will watch it. That's the beauty of your fans. And I got her just at the perfect time, right before she blew up. So there's a lot of interest and buzz around her. But that's giving me like more hope. Is like hope, this could be a thing. But kind of in the back of my mind the whole time, I'm like, shit, I'm getting a million views on a video. I'm getting, you know, my stories are getting picked up, but I'm still going to work every day and I'm not seeing any money. And I want to make clear before I got the Pet Canva deal, I was paying for all this shit out of pocket. So people don't realize that, right? So I did, my whole thing is whatever I do, I want it to look perfect. I want it to look as, as good as it can. So like Forbes did, like Forbes paid for, they did that three camera shoot. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna do a three camera shoot. I want, you know, two cameras on them and one on me, or sometimes if I'm on a couch with them, we'll do a wide shot. Usually we'll do a wide shot and then one camera on me and one camera on them, so three cameras. So we switch back and forth and it looks really cool. But shit, I gotta pay two camera guys to do that. I don't know how to edit. I have no interest in learning how to edit. I don't have time to take tutorials. And I just, I don't have the time to edit. Like some of these YouTubers spend up all night or you know, they're making edits and they're designing thumbnails. Like I got kids, I got a job, I don't have time for that shit. So I got to pay an editor to do that too. So I'm doing all these videos. So if you look at all the videos I did early on, I was paying for them out of pocket and it was costing thousands of dollars over the course of, you know, the first year, year and a half till I got brand deals. Not everyone can afford to do that. Luckily, I have a good job. My wife has a good job. We don't have any hobbies. I don't party. I don't go to strip clubs. I don't buy jewelry or fancy cars or any shit like that. So this was kind of my outlet. This was my hobby. So, um, you know, thank God she let me do it. And I started getting those brand deals in year two and started getting those views. And by the third year, I got a manager, this Jerry Barajas, shout out to Jerry. He stood by me through all of this. He's, he's been with me for two years and he's dealt with me and dealt and stayed with me, even though he wasn't making a lot of money on, you know, off me. I got uh, Squarespace. I finally got like a long-term sponsor in, in year three. Squarespace sponsored me almost the whole year, but I did some other ones with Warby Parker and other people. And it's like, wow, people are taking me seriously as a creator to invest that kind of money in me, like to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to advertise on my videos, which was really mind blowing. It's something I'm still super grateful for today that people like my videos enough, not just you watching it, not just people watching it, which I am super grateful you're watching it and keep watching it, thank you for that. But the brands saw that, hey, this guy is doing good stuff and we wanna align ourselves with him. And by the way, these are big brands. I'm not taking, you know, a shitty Joe's restaurant down the street. Fuck, this is Squarespace. This is a company I used to design my website, tomward.com, go check it out. That's how you can contact me too, check the website out. But yeah, they partnered with me, it was wild. And then I started uh, really focusing on TikTokers. TikTokers really took off last year. And again, it's really all timing, like that Emma Chamberlain, I've just been really lucky. Emma Chamberlain, I got her right before she popped off, video exploded. TikTok's getting big, so shit, this is like two and a half years ago, or not last, was it last year? 
during Corona, no, no, it was two years ago, um, year and a half ago. I got Hype House, I got Addison Ray. It's honestly just been so crazy and, and eye-opening to me. Like, wow, this is so many people. I got um, Avani, I got Chase, I did Sway House. What made you guys get started in TikTok? Like everyone else was doing it or? Actually, no one was really doing it when yeah. I started. I got really close. Shout out to Sway, I love you guys. I love Michael Gruen, your manager. We gotta talk and have dinner one of these days. But I interviewed like Bryce Hall and, and Josh and all those guys, Griffin. I ended up getting a podcast with Griffin, which we're not really doing anymore, but Griffin fucking Johnson, a huge TikTok star, one of the biggest TikTokers in the world, chose to do a podcast with me. Listen, I'm an older bald guy who is in sales, like account management for this Fortune 200 company, like some corporate dude is hanging at the hype house. Listen, I don't hang with that at the hype house, but I was at the hype house meeting with these guys and planning to do a podcast, filming the podcast, which is really wild. It's, it's, it's a unique story, I think. And I think that's what makes me different than all the other um, people in this space. One, because I don't focus on the tea. Now you have, when I'm interviewing influencers, I have to get some tea or the fans would go crazy on me. But it's kind of weird for me, somebody their parents age to ask them who they're dating. So I don't always feel comfortable doing that. Sometimes I have to, and that's what people want. The TikToks take off, which is all good. But I try to talk more about their lives and their careers and the struggles because it's easy to see this 19 year old who's rich and famous now, but you don't realize that, hey, when like Bryce Hall, when they were a kid, their dad was in jail. Their mom, his mom had to raise her all alone. The guy like Larray, whose dad's still in jail. Um, so I have whole conversations about that. And other people don't, it fucking drives me insane. I saw this interview, when I do prep for interviews, I spend a lot of time, I spend hours and hours and hours reading other interviews they've done, um, listening to podcasts they've been on, that kind of thing. And I was researching Larray and I found an interview, it was one of those, I don't know, one of those T-type channels, gossipy type influencer channels. And it's like, hey, five questions with Larray. And one of the questions was like, tell me something that no one knows about you. And he goes, my dad's in jail. And without missing a beat, the interviewer goes, what's your favorite dinner? And I'm like, dude, who cares about his favorite dinner? He just told you his dad's in jail, something he's never talked about. Like, spend a half hour on that. Why is he in jail? How did that affect him? How long is he gonna be in jail for? They don't ask that stuff, but I sit down with people and talk to them about normal shit for 45 minutes to an hour. And hopefully it's content. If you're watching, if you watch this long, 22 minutes into my interview, one, why, why do you care this much about my story? But thank you. And I think the reason why is because this is the kind of content I do and this is the kind of content I've developed. Now, one of the problems and all this stuff's going good, right? I got brand deals, I got Squarespace, I'm in TikTok, I get verified. Uh, I got verified on Twitter early, which I didn't talk about soon after the Jake Paul interview, which helped me a lot to, this is how I get uh, people to sit down with me a lot of times is Twitter. I'm verified so people see me. They also see that um, you know, when you click on somebody, you get to see um, who they're followed by um, that you share in common, right? So they'll see, you know, if it's an influencer sees it, they'll say, oh, Jake Paul follows them, Addison Rae follows them, uh, Emma Chamberlain follows them, all these people follow him, so he must be legit. Well, same thing in the TikTok world. I got verified on TikTok last year, and that helped me build up on TikTok and uh, get other guests, and that really helped in my career too. But the one problem with all of this was, people would come to my channel to watch the interview, and then they'd bounce. They'd never come back again. 
which is very bad if you're Tom Ward. So I do an interview with Addison Ray. So what that means is all Addison's fans come over to watch the interview. They like the interview. They all leave my channel, never come back again. It's fucking bad. A small percentage, very small percentage go, hey, I like this dude talking with Addison. And they check out my other interviews and they subscribe. But after, shoot, three and a half years of really grinding and getting huge guests on and getting good views and getting consistent, I've only got, and I still only have like 36,000 subscribers, which sounds like a lot if you're just a young YouTuber starting out. But if you look at all the guests I've had, it's not a lot, right? I should be much bigger. The views are big, but the subscribers aren't there. And Jerry, my manager is so great. He goes, Tom, you got to film solo videos because the problem is people don't know who you are. So yeah, they watch Addison, but you're not giving them a reason to stick around. So this year I'm gonna start doing more solo videos. And if you're a fan of my interviews, hopefully this doesn't turn you off and hopefully you don't unsubscribe because of it. But I know I'm gonna lose some of you and I hope not a lot, but I'm still gonna do big interviews. That's my bread and butter. That's what I'm sticking with. But I'm also gonna do some solo videos in here like I'm doing right now with you to help grow my brand, to give people a reason to follow me and to show you who I am. I'm beyond just the guy who talks about influence, right? I, ha I still have a job now. I've got kids, I'm recovering addict, which is a whole nother story. I've been sober for a long time. Um, so those are kind of, that's what I have planned for the future. So if you're a fan of my channel, if you've watched 25 minutes of me talk about my YouTube uh, journey. It's fucking amazing. Thank you so much. And if you're a young YouTuber out there starting out, me, I had a, I had an advantage, right? I had the Forbes thing. So that got me in front of guests you'll never get in your wildest dreams, right? So I had a kind of a leg up there, but I still had to grow and build my brand too. Cause I, like I just said, they're coming for the guests. They're only going to stick around if they like me. So I've got to produce my own content and be engaging all those other things too. But I can tell you, I just posted the other day, hard work pays off. I've been grinding this at this for like four years, going back to writing a blog. So I've been at this for a long time. I still haven't made it yet. I've still got a day job and shout out to my day job. I love my boss. I love the people I work with. It's great money. There's so many benefits. I really like what I do. Um, but I still have a job, right? I haven't made it yet. I don't have a Lambo outside like the kids I interview. It's taken time. And I, I got some news this week that will hopefully pay off. But this, these are two things I've been working for for two years. And I think not yet, knock on wood, hopefully they're going to come to fruition. So keep grinding. If you're, if you're going towards a goal and if it's YouTube, which I know a lot of my viewers are younger and I know a lot of you want to be a influencer or a YouTuber or a TikTok star or whatever, you've got to be consistent. I know fucking everyone tells you that and I'm not always consistent. So maybe I'm not the best person to say that, but you've got to be consistent and keep pushing. Whatever your goal is, if you're trying to lose weight and you're hitting the gym and you're eating and you're not seeing the results and you go, shit, two weeks, I haven't lost a pound. Keep at it and stay focused. The results will come no matter what you're trying to do, whether you're trying to play guitar. Or right now I'm learning uh, keyboards and trying to play songs and it takes me forever to learn a song weeks and weeks and it still sounds kind of shitty, but I like doing it. So I keep doing it. At the end of the day, I love doing this and hopefully that comes across in my videos. I couldn't imagine Four years ago, I didn't even know what the fuck a YouTuber was. I had no idea that this was a job. I didn't follow YouTubers. And the fact now that I've been accepted in the creator community that these YouTubers follow me. And listen, 
I'm their parents' age, so we're never gonna hang out and we're never gonna be on a friend level, but that there's a mutual respect is mind-boggling. That Griffin Johnson, shout out to you, Griffin, you know, respects me and is interested in me enough to host a podcast with me is pretty wild. That they invite me, that crew invites me to host on Clubhouse with them. That means a lot that VidCon asked me to do stuff is pretty wild. You know, like I said before at the beginning of this, this story doesn't make sense. I went to business school. I've been in sales my whole life. I have no experience in YouTube. Uh, I'm not an influencer. It was never something that was on my radar. I, it's not even something I knew what it was. I still don't watch YouTubers. Uh, I scroll through Instagram and, and TikTok like everybody else, but you know, I don't spend hours on it a day. You know, people, people who watch me, people who follow me, tell me what they want to see, and I give you the content if I'm aligned with it and if I believe in it. So, guys, thank you so much for believing in me. Uh, like I said, we're 20 minutes in. I'm wrapping this up. I don't believe I was able to talk to a camera for this long. I think because it's about me, it's a lot easier than if I have to do a video about Bitcoin or something like that that I'm kind of following an outline for and don't know the subject as well. That takes me a long time to shoot. This is all one take. There's gonna be no edits. We're just gonna put in little clips that we'll, that you saw before, put on the little clips like that in my early videos. But that's it. So hopefully uh, you liked the video. Let me know what other solo videos you'd like to see. Uh, let me know what interviews you like to see because interviews are still my bread and butter. I'm still gonna do interviews with the biggest influencers in the world. I got some great ones coming up. We're focused on YouTube. Uh, what the fuck are they now? YouTube Shorts. We're doing, check out my second channel, YouTube Clip Channel, where I'm gonna post like five minute clip of the best clips from every interview. So go check that out. It's another focus. Let me know who you wanna see me sit down with, what else you'd like me to do. I thank you so much for your support. I thank you so much for watching my videos. I think it's mind boggling that someone, that you sat down for a half hour, you'd be doing a million other things to watch me talk about myself. So. Super blessed, super grateful. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for subscribing. If you don't subscribe, subscribe now. I appreciate it, guys. Love you. Bye.